This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House, and this is Unhouse News. Our top story is mainstream media, Los Angeles Times, has created a problematic article endangering the lives of unhoused people. The full story is that the topic of their article was talking about bicycles, which incidentally is important enough that Joe Buscaino is criminalizing that now due to the article. The article points to the address of unhoused people and then leaves a subtle dog whistle to uh, vigilantes to go and look for unhoused people, creating hostile situations. The conversation has been always ongoing about how mainstream media, the fourth estate, contributes into the mass hysteria and vigilantes of unhoused news. We in House has an episode called Nimbyland that highlights that on YouTube, as well as other social media podcasts. Incidentally, during the George Floyd protest, there was a big article from Los Angeles Times apologizing for their role into the racial antipathy that they created into their reporting. It seems like they have resorted back to that because, as you know, 52% of the unhoused are black, one in four are usually in use of force with the LAPD, and now, due to the heightened hysteria of anti-unhoused sentiment that is used as a platform for the politicians, the LA Times has joined the fray. They have always stated that they are doing balanced reporting, but that is not the case. It was incidents before that they were really eager to try to have workshops, I guess, and they have foundered um, due to the fact that many of the journalists do not look at independent journalists as on the same caliber as uh, mainstream journalists. However, they have been missing the mark for some time. So I guess that's they are correct in that. In other news, Weedian House have uh, found out that there has been a recall on City Council Member Mike Bonin. Uh, he is one of the people that has not pushed out any uh, 4118 resolutions. He voted against it, and now they are coming for him because of that. The hysteria has grown. KDL has created more resolutions to circle uh, unhoused people near Union Station, uh, the, the City Hall, and other places. The main proponent of the resolutions have been Joe Pascaino, over 161 and counting. Mitchell Farrell, he's growing in his number. Parker Corian, KDL, Nuri Martinez, these are the ones that have been pushing for uh, the 4118 resolution. Utilizing uh, anti-unhoused sentiment, stating that unhoused people are dangerous to schools, as if all these 62,000 unhoused people are going to attack school children and they are a danger to society. The last conversation uh, that I point out is Instagram live stream, but I posted how MacArthur Park had violated the bulky order uh, ruling and threw away an unhoused person's uh, belongings and left two belongings in their possession. Uh, for further details, please look on the Weedy Unhoused Instagram live, as well as check out the new current episode uh, due to the veterans, uh, unhoused veterans episode that should be apropos because today is Veterans Day. But incidentally, they are have disdained and discarded the unhoused just the same as civilian unhoused. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused, and this is Unhoused News. One of the harmful realizations about dealing with houselessness is the fact that there have been NIMBYs posing as activists in our groups. And I want to elucidate a little bit further on that. 
It has come to my attention that when we're going to some of these groups, people that are leading the conversations with unhoused people have NIMBY ideals. They put out the uh, same narratives about violence. Um, there was conversations with some groups about 90% of the unhoused people are mentally ill and need psychiatric services. And what also alarmed me even further was when the conversation delved yesterday downward into talking about unhoused people not wanting services or help or housing. So here is a question that I had to I had to I had to rock, grapple with. Once uh, I was informed that there may be possible a hostile takeover like they did over at Echo Park, I mentioned it to the group. The group, understandably, was concerned and wanted to get to, uh, the, the down to the bottom of it. The person that uh, gave, gave this information was trying to do this on her. Um, a confidential level and wanted to make sure that it didn't go back to their job. Obviously, they were in some uh, key position. Maybe the conversation didn't go forward for them to do the sweep or because they were fearing the backlash. But the idea was after the incident, there was people running to uh, ignore my conversational input into it. The second thing is the other uh, group was ignoring or uh, making decisions without my input again. So what some of these activists have been saying has been problematic. They have dominated the unhoused circles. They have been saying unhoused people are violent. They're afraid of violence. They're saying that unhoused people don't want services. They're saying that uh, you can't blame people wanting kids wanting to play in the park. So they're saying all of these things that NIMBYs would say. The only difference is they lavered themselves up as activists and they have infected and came into the communities of unhoused people with their poison. And this poison is going to be, seems to be spreading and to the point where I have felt I, I, I have ex- exceeded my limits of expending energy trying to educate people. I shouldn't educate people in at all on this kind of issue, but I shouldn't have to ha- educate people that are supposed to be uh, seeing unhoused people as a human being and not as these uh, narratives that they're playing on what is the same as NIMBYs are. So the issue becomes, like, what does Weedy and House stand for? Because most often than not, their problematic people are running up to me with these ideas and wanting me to spearhead or be a part of their group. So this is where, where I stand with this. I don't endorse you bringing narratives and saying 90% of unhoused people are mentally ill. You do not contact me for that. I do not endorse when you're saying violence when I have to push people and ask even housed people, name me five incidents where housed people have done violence to unhoused people and you can't name it. But you seem perfectly comfortable saying those kind of conversational endpoints with uh, unhoused people. Then we bring up the issues about gang violence. Gang violence attack housed people and housed people usually are the gangbangers that are usually utilizing harm and fear too but you don't see a massive sweeps or, or displacement going on and you don't see you you jumping in there trying to help those communities the bottom line is this if you're here to help unhoused people you're here to see that crime happens to every group and every strata and when you overemphasize what you what many of these groups have done in this then you've caused much harm the second thing that you cause harm is, is that I take exception of we always have to get along and do kumbaya. I can't kumbaya with you or work with you in liberation when you're one of the people trying to hold us back. I mentioned this morning to my friend about something I remember when I was in seminary school about uh, the issue when we were talking about uh, Moses getting the uh, uh, out of bondage uh, from Pharaoh's thumb. 
and the whole point of it was that the people were supposed to be freed within four years, but it took 40 years. And the reason why it took 40 years was people who had doubted the person. They were having in- internal factions. And there are people that were, uh, internalized their oppression and saying that they, the, the, uh, the pharaoh wasn't that bad. We should go back. These people are in our, our groups now today. And the same thing in, with the Matrix. We had people that wanted to take uh, uh, the blue pill instead of the red pill or whatever, however you want to use the metaphor. The bottom line is they have here, they're in our groups, and we need to really have a conversation, and the rules need to change, allowing them to be here. Because if you have these viewpoints, you have no business uh, dealing with our vulnerable population. This is Weedy and Howes. This is what I stand for, and I definitely do not want you to be attached to any more problematic people. This is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. I've covered everywhere, pretty much almost everywhere, and many places that uh, people have seen Weedian House and have been interested in me telling their stories or wanting to learn more about their stories. So today I'm here at a uh, what we call a grill and share, or a grill and chill, uh, set up by Diego along with the other uh, providers here, here in near in Los Angeles, where the vet- veteran unhoused are. So without further ado, this episode is going to be covering unhoused veterans and getting the story on why that they're unhoused. And we claim to be so patriotic, but why do we treat our unhoused in this fashion? We're going to explore a lot of questions and also introduce the term of the 4118 and how the resurgence of this is coming back and what their perspective is on about 4118 and how it impacts them as the unhoused community as well. This is Theo Henderson for Woody and House. This is a hot, sunny Sunday as well. You can smell the barbecue. Oh, I forgot. You can't smell the barbecue. But I can smell it, but you can certainly see it. And there's a lot of joy and a lot of camaraderie in here in this community. This is a developing story, and I hope you follow along and meet me in the light of understanding. This has been an outstanding event here so far. We're here and near the National uh, Veterans Park. Today there was a grill and chill event here. And I have a couple of other uh, people that help serve the unhoused uh, veterans out here as well as in the community as well. Without further ado, I'm going to introduce them. They're actually going to introduce themselves. And we will take it from there. What's your name, sir? Philemon. Philip. Philip. Okay. My name is uh, Helio. Helio, thanks. Nice to meet you guys. And I want to tell you what got you guys. What's the name of your program first? Community Cookers. That's the day. It's East East Hollow. We started at East Hollywood Community. Oh, okay. So what got you started into that? You know what? It was just a random, crazy idea. You know, I was having a beer with my friend. Uh, Back then, we had the Share Our Meal program. And I said, you know, it would be nice if I could grill some meat for the community. And uh, my friend right there said, you, you know, you should do it. I'll give you a hundred bucks. And that was the, that was the beginning of it. And, and we have been doing this for, I would say, 16 months now. 
16 months. Wow. Yeah. What are the good things that you notice about this uh, the cookout? Has it been a success? Yeah, I mean, we are 8,500 something meals. It's it's been amazing, man. So right now we grill for 150 people. We brought enough for 150. I don't know if all of them are going to show up, but that's what we brought in for. Uh, it's it's been amazing, man. It's been amazing. I think one of the places that I remember the most has been uh, one that we did at uh, Skidrow and one we did in Selma. And uh, Selma, we did it there for the farmers up there, the people working the fields. Mm -hmm. And it's hot up there, man. And it was just like, it's just like, you know, the, the feeling uh, overwhelmed by all the things the that you see, yeah, you know. Yeah. And you bring them something and they're like, Thankful as well, and it was like a like a super cool vibe. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, we have a power up in Sada, uh in Little Tokyo, and I was wondering because I've been wanting to get into the community that does things like this, a community cookout, and we do it Saturdays from three to six. And I was wondering if would you guys be willing to come down or Saturday to do the same for the community there? There's a lot of hunger. There's a lot of people that are food insecure that are in houses. There are a lot of food insecure that are unhoused. There's a lot of need there. It's what people don't know it because they go to Little Tokyo. They think yeah. everyone is so is living a high on the hog, but that's not that's not really what's behind the scenes. What yeah. you see. Yeah. So, what is the most rewarding thing that you uh, you've seen uh, doing this? Well, we have been uh, seeing a lot of kids in this a lot of especially little girls, females, and little kids like showing up and then they. Being really thankful with that, like, thank you guys for doing this because nobody else is thinking about us and stuff like that. Also, to, also older people, elderly people, like, can barely walk. Yes. And we say, you know what? Yes, we have a standard. We have, you have to make a line. But at the end of the day, if you want elderly, go first. We want to take you, help you first, and then we want to help the other ones. There's another growing population that people don't forget about, uh, that like you get on the point, it's the elderly. There's a lot of elderly that are on fixed incomes, and they're paying all of their retirement or Social Security on rent, and, and they don't have enough for food. So you hit a very good point, and that's that was what's going on. There's a lot of elderly in Little Tokyo, and they come yeah. store, storing in for food because they don't have it. Yeah, I mean, just to make a point further on that, uh, we have... As part of this community, then we have the Abuelita Initiative, mm -hmm. and Abuelita basically means grandma in, in, in right. English. And through that program, we partnered up with Not Us Without You, which mm -hmm. is a nonprofit. And from from there, we receive uh, somewhere around uh, between 300 to 500 uh, pounds of food every. Uh, week and we distribute it to like all the abuelitas oh, wow. and so what we find interesting is that we give it to like you know all the abuelitas like grandmas yeah and they cook whatever we give them and we give it they give it to someone else yeah like, yeah yeah is that's, that's, that is very true that is very like, true we just, we just give this yeah. to you it's like you can't and that is the essence of mutual aid you, they you, found a need yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's so, cool the other thing that we have done through you know as you mentioned it mm -hmm. that it's like people just uh, focus on certain things right, like right. you know the homeless and it's true uh, you know they need a lot of help too mm -hmm. but there are a lot of people that are in a house exactly. in a house and that are starving yeah and, and then they don't um, people don't see that mm -hmm. and so what we have done to kind of like address that issue is uh, we set up a community fridge we yeah. partnered up with uh, LA fridges yeah yeah and we set up one fridge at the uh, East Hollywood area mm -hmm. and this uh, community fridge has been in operation for over a year now 
and it's it's been amazing because what we discover you know every every culture has these little things mm -hmm. and in the latin culture there was a lot of machismo you mm -hmm. know a lot of like i don't want to ask for help i'd mm -hmm. rather die kind of thing mm -hmm. and it was like what if we just set up fridge and it's just free it's just yeah. like outside yeah you know everybody can just open it and grab some stuff exactly and th th that's how we set up that thing that's basically true like in the uh in, in the area i'm at too and at, at basically when it's free it, it removes the sting everyone can come in and get the, what they need there's no blaming because our society unfortunately we have a blaming and shaming society we blame people for poverty we blame poor people we blame undocumented we blame everybody for the poverty the enemy is truly it's just poverty you know yeah, you can't yeah. you know I mean? it's, that's just it yeah. so you know we've got to learn that we understand we take we keep each other safe we feed each other well and make sure we are okay um, emotionally as well as uh, financially um, is there uh, anything that we could do or is there a website you guys have to really uh, highlight your stories uh, you know what for for the people that uh, you know here in this story uh, follow us on community cookouts we do uh, fundraising for one particular cookout. Okay. So we do. So we're not a nonprofit. We're mm -hmm. just like crazy fools doing right, right, right. You know, something you. good for the community. Mm -hmm. And we, what we have done is, uh, we just collect money enough for one cookout. Okay. And then we do the cookout, and then we open another fundraiser for another cookout. Mm -hmm. And so, depending on how fast we collect money, okay. that's how we do another cookout. Ah, and so okay. we don't get paid because we, you know, like it's volunteer. In some some nonprofits, certain people get paid. We don't want to, you know, get into that stigma where like doing this to for our own benefit. Mm -hmm. We just collect. Um, most of the time is between 400 and 500, mm -hmm. which is enough to feed um, 100 people. Okay. And so, to whoever you know hears this story, just follow us there. Make sure, like you know, look at those stories, and if you can afford it, you know, donate some money. Okay. And also in that um, community page, you will find the reports, the financial reports, because we actually do financial reports. There's 2020 financial report, and it has. How much money we collect, where we spend it. Um, we release Q1 quarter report one, quarter report two, and it's all there. So we try to be very clear with the money that we collect and what we do with it and all that kind of stuff. You know, just just try to be transparent as as much as we can, given the situation. You know, because we're again not a nonprofit. This is wonderful that you guys do it. So I, now we know where, what we need to do to get you guys to come to Little Tokyo uh, to get you guys the fun roads like you guys. And I, I investigated your food. So I got to get to say, it's a, it, it, it was a high. It was good. It was wonderful. <laughs> I think it's great. And I think uh, you probably going to, I suspect you guys have repeat customers. So I think that's one of the things that you guys, I have to show uh, show off your guys' skills and your talents down to the, uh, the Little Tokyo area. And I guarantee you, you you're going to have repeat customers. You might have a fan base. You never know. They might have a fan page with the East Hollywood Community Cookout with selling T-shirts and stuff like that. But uh, that's yeah. down the road. <laughs> I mean, we, we, uh, we uh, did this uh, uh, hats. We only did, I will say, 25 or so. Right. Uh, again, because we're, we we don't want to, like, turn this into, like, a profit-making thing. It's right, just, right. like, going back to, like, whatever, you know. Right. Whatever we can afford. Uh, we'll do it and then just how it is uh, down the road probably do a different logo just for, for you know for because um, this one has gotten a lot of uh, like I don't know if it is negative or not so much but good uh, feedback because it uses the city logo yeah, you know? yeah <laughs> and it's just it. like I don't know man you know? yeah they might think you're part of Mark America I yeah, said it yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 we're not which is like you yeah. know 
Yeah, but I, it is what it is. Well, you can work out on the logo on the creativity side, but you got to have your own swag because I I do my own swag with Woody and House. So yeah, swag's important. You know, like you can put your little apron together. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. community cookout. What you have a cookout sign, and then you have to go to the uh, kitchen, whatever. So I, I'm going to uh, log off here. I, you guys have anything to add? Yes. One thing that I want to keep for the record is that we are street vendors. And we started this as a street vendors. And um, my friend right here, Juanito Foods, mm-hmm. is also yeah, a street vendor. Okay. Contribute with this cost. I mean, just to make clear, we don't make a lot of money. We don't do a lot of stuff. No. We are just, I mean, regular people from the street. Absolutely. So this is also a new development, too, to know. That's, like, that's why I more liked you guys there, because I'm trying to get more street vendors to help in the with the unhoused community, too, because of the need as well as the house uh, food insecure. There are people that are on general relief. There are people that are on, uh, like, the elderly population. They, they, they're stretching their money. They can't afford it. Yeah. So this is really a benefit for them as well. I have, I, 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 I'm seeing more and more people elderly coming or, or, or just struggling working and they're just not covering their food for it to eat. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the main things there. And um, just going back a little bit towards the street vendors, you know, that's one of the um, groups that has been blamed for, you know, blaming here, blaming there, right. for whatever's happening, you know, with, with food and all that. And so part of what we do here, too, is the street vendor initiative where we, like, uh, hire certain vendors mm-hmm. and, like, put a community event together and make sure that they get thanks because... Mutual aid is like that, you know, you got to be able to help, you know, other vendors. And the vendors are here saving the day. Can you believe that? <laughs> and sometimes, you know. Literally. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes people say, like, you know, I'm doing mutual aid. Yeah, but you go buy from Amazon and mm-hmm. you go and buy from, like, Costco. It's like, mm-hmm. they don't need mutual aid. Mm-hmm. And so we try to, like, stretch the money that we get as, yeah. as, as far as we can. Like, which good brings a good point too. Is like, for example, if we were to do uh, work with you guys to it, uh, what are the good stores that does the meat that we can do that that's not necessarily the same, like Ralph's or things like that? We probably would need a list of them till we can uplift them and support them as well when they get to cook too. For what we do right now, it's uh, we partnered up with like um, grocery stores oh, that yeah, are okay. in our area. Right, right. Like if there was a grocery store around here, we'd probably buy the, the meat yeah. in the okay. rest of the areas that we need. Okay. Like for example, last weekend we did another one in uh, King Boulevard, right. and I believe it was San Pedro. Right, right. And there was like we were grilling right in front of our stores. So right, right. All the drinks and things that we needed, like the little extras, we just bought it from that store. Right, cool. We, we just brought in a little bit of economic. Now, um, now that's mutual aid too. That's, so that's <laughs> what we try to do. Like, know where you spend your dollars that you collect. It's not so much about like, okay, I collect money and I spend it on Amazon. Okay, mm-hmm. big deal. Mm-hmm. But like, look, thinking, mm-hmm. thinking a little bit more. What can I do to help more people with that dollar? You know, and that's part of what community cookouts is. Now that's wonderful. That's an excellent note to end this on. This is Theo Henderson from Woody and House. We've gotten our, our, our plate full of information as well as a plate full of food, which was good, by the way. Uh, and I, I hope you uh, c- come along with me and find out more about uh, what mutual aid is and what the stories of the unhoused veterans here in Los Angeles at the National Veterans Park. Thank you all for listening again, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you very much. Man, this- Welcome back to the second part episode of Weed and House Unhoused Veterans. I wanted to point out to, again, my mission statement is to uplift all the voices 
And what you can't see with the auditory is what you probably could see of more a vantage point is there are uh, unhoused, that's a disabled gentleman that has a voice box and it could be un, uh, unintelligible to his responses. His wife uh, was giving some of the responses. So bear with us with the delay into the conversation because she's going to try to translate as much as she possibly can. This is Theo Henderson from We and Howes. We've had a very filling day, and we have a new group here, and I'm going to have them introduce and tell us a little bit about their uh, organization as well. So tell us, I see you have a shirt on that says, Help Others Los Angeles. What's up with that? Yeah. Uh, it's OLA. Um, it's a nonprofit organization, and um, we basically help um, not just the homeless, um, you know, our homeless brothers and sisters, but also their pets. So oh, yes, really? yes. What do you? Go- oh man, I know some people that have pets that would love you. What What do you do? Um, we'll provide food, flea medication, and if they need to be taken to the vet, we find um, the veterinarian that will assist with that, and then you know we'll get the funds for that. Oh, that is wonderful. How long do you guys have been uh, doing this? Well, with the organization, probably about maybe a year now, um, but just. You know, helping. We've been helping the community for about 2016. About yeah, 2016. since 2016. Yeah, yeah, it was a turning point for for us and well, our family. Uh, why why was it such a, a pivotal time? It's when my husband got his trait and he was in the hospital for a month. So you know that was a very um, drastic, more drastic change than the days before that. You know, so yeah. You said your husband having received a trach. Was there uh, like there did something? Of course, obviously something happened. But what it, did it deal with? Housing insecurity, or food insecurity, though? No, um, no um, it just started happening where his throat just started shutting down, and you know he, he had experienced some issues back yeah. in October, then again in November, then by December it was like, okay, there's nothing we can do but place a trach, and. Um, so, ever since then, it's been. But he was in the military. Ah, he so yeah. So this is why this is it really uh, yeah. it touches both of you guys because you see the need because there's like like your husband like there's so much need uh, like there there's the medical ward over there that I was just informed that they can't go over to give food to the people over there in the medical ward. It's just like all of these kind of conversations that tells you how the branches are being unhoused. And the tentacles or, or a big yarn that you pull the string, there's so many nuances to it than just unhoused people don't want help or they should be criminalized. Which on that same thing is, I, I've been inter- asking this question to all of the service providers, but have you uh, any intake or any take on the 4118 conversation that's coming up this Wednesday? I'm not aware of that one. Well... Uh, to make it a, a very a condensed version, 4118 has been shot down several times in, uh, by activists and others because of the unreasonableness of the city's response to the unhoused crisis. Their response has always been criminalization. 
Uh, for example, Sheriff Neil Villanueva believes that unhoused people are coming in outside. Their uh, lawlessness is uh, railing on the, on the land. They're criminals. They're substance usage. They're mentally ill. And they all belong in jail. And he has uh, over 2,400 beds for unhoused people. And to that end, he has enlisted the support of the mayor, city attorney, and uh, uh, people that are running for mayor like Mike Fuhrer, Joe Piscino, Mitchell Farrell, and all of the other city council members like Nuri Martinez to create a amended 4118. And 4118 says that it will be against the law for the unhoused to be in court, happening sidewalks, inside parks, outside parks, near daycare, near schools, near uh, any place in Los Angeles that has the place where they have designated that they're not to be. And the only place where unhoused people, even medically unhoused, will be able to be is outside of Los Angeles County. So that means if you have a medical appointment and you're unhoused, you cannot be able to be in here to go get to that appointment. If you do, you're going to be villainized or you're going to be criminalized and cited and put in jail. It means if you have, let's say, for example, people don't know that people that have families like unhoused people, like you have children and things like that, they have children too. They love their kids. But according to Nuri Martinez, they believe the only people, families that should be uh, prioritized are people that have houses, kids, not the unhoused families that have been struggling and dealing with houselessness and they want to give their kids a chance to go to the park like any other family. They can't be there. They're going to run them out because they're unhoused. So the fact of the matter is this is coming up in Wednesday that they're going to vote on it. Um, So this is a rally cry for everybody to realize that the city is really, because of the Olympics as well as the eviction moratorium, is going to end on September, that they are going to be... They don't have the manpower to it, but they're going to have the evil intent to be able to displace thousands of people. So what... What, what do you think what would be a good solution for you? Do, do, do you think this is a good solution anyway? No. I think this is really like discrimination. I mean, where, where would they go? I mean, we have homeless people everywhere. And we don't have enough help. You know, I, I always say, you know, I might not be able to solve the problem. But if, if I can get up to do something about it just to help one person because to me each person is one world you're helping somebody and you're making their day better but if we all get together yeah a lot of the issue is mental health Well, not only that, we always say that there are people that have mental health issues but what I'm talking about because I have this podcast for some time and I've been unhoused for 8 years people forget that there are people literally with children. There have been women that have given birth to kids out here in the parks that have been living in their cars. They're living that you wouldn't even know that they're unhoused because, exactly, it's over 22,000 families, like just like you guys, that you wouldn't know what they're unhoused. And they're sweating bullets because this story is going to be, this, this is going to happen. You're going to be wondering where your friends are, but they are not going to be around or they're going to be displaced or criminalized or put into CPS or all these kind of things. These stories are not getting told. We also have a rising elderly population that yes. nobody is talking about. They're yes. just playing this drug dealing is just a drug addiction and, and that's just not it. They're Even unhoused. And, and, you know, rent. And get out. There's not enough jobs. Yeah. Um, too much discrimination. Discrimination. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Ye
Yeah, we, they can't keep up with, yeah. with rent because of the, you know, the race on everything. Yeah, exactly. And they're picking that whole disability check or their retirement check to cover the rent, and then they're starving. We're not, so that's... It's not even enough anymore. Thank you. Are we even going to have it when my daughter gets to that age that yeah. she needs it? Yeah, I, I look side eyed at my aunt because she has swore to God that they'll never. I, I look, I think, and I say this to her all the time, and I, I really am like, you're not going to be 80 when I'm 80. You're going to be long gone, and I can't tell you when I, t- when I look at you and tell you that Social Security is not going to be here for me. So you, while you're here, you 80, yeah, it's here, but you're not going to be 80 when I'm 80. But so it's speak. Still not enough. <laughs> exactly. I mean, how much do they get? Does that even pay rent? The, the utility bills? Um, the food, you know, getting around, like, you know, their car. It all depends. It's like, for, sadly, one of the things, too, like, uh, there's 80, 70, 80 year old elderly people that are out on the street. Yeah. And they tell you the story. It's not because they didn't work hard. It's not because they don't want help. It's not they didn't got to get it because 80 years old, they, telling them to get a job is kind of ridiculous. But the fact of it is maybe their spouses have died. People don't realize that they live together in their housing. They can't can't support the housing. Their children are not, maybe they don't have the children or their children is gone or they are doing their own financial struggles and they're out here. So you know, and medical costs is ridiculous. If you get a medical emergency, trust me, uh, uh, it, that oversees everything. Because you have to pay for the medical care, and then you have a choice between medical care or a house. You know, you're going to live or die. So many of them are, are choosing to live, and then at the at the expense of being displaced out of the street. Uh, so there's the, these issues are, are swirling about this week, week, this Wednesday, with 4118. 4118 is only focusing negatively, deliberately, on making it seem like the only unhoused people, they don't want help, they are uh, they're drug addicted, they're mentally ill. We have a population of mental health issues. There is no denying that. We have a population of people that are suffering from substance usage. That's not an issue. But you making it, that's the only people. And the other people, like the families that are living in the car, sweating bullets, or going to school, or when you're not in school now, living in their cars or trying to make it and survive while you're saying only hardworking house people should be able to get certain resources is just wrong. We have elderly, we have the youth, the people that are aging out of foster care. This issue is just not one, two issues. This is a large sandwich that is this, it's a crap sandwich that nobody wants to eat. And they just keep pushing it down the table, and nobody wants to deal with it, but throwing it away and creating new solutions. So, um, what do you see with yourselves doing with Ola? Do you go to other encampments, or do you, how do you guys do this? We go to different encampments. Um, we, um, you know, we come here often, but we also go like just right now. We just got done um, doing Long Beach, just oh, driving cool. around all kind, you know, all the areas in Long Beach which we didn't see many because a lot of them are in housing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we, were, we managed to get, you know, hygiene items, waters, cookies. Um, we take dog food with us. Um, sometimes we'd, we'd have cat food. Some of them have, you know, have cats. I know out in Lamita, uh, they have a lot of pets and things. I know that out in the valley, they have a lot of pets. And when he's just saying this, this makes me happy because now I know that there's somewhere where they can get some of the help, especially during the heat wave and things like that. Yes. We are trying to go more to the valley. Yes. So um, we might be doing something soon 
closer over there. Um, we reside in Long Beach, so it's oh yeah, it's I, 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 I understand. To us. I guess I understand. Um, but yeah, you know, we take we take everything. You know, clothing, tents, um, pillows, blankets, everything that they'll need. You know, just to st- huh. Coffee, yeah. We, <laughs> the most important one. <laughs> yeah, we. T- he, he likes to give coffee because he noticed how how people change. You know, when when they just have a mug and a coffee and uh-huh. a donut or Hell, a pastry. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So, Everyone wants to be treated like a human being, not like something. You know, you just throw at something at them. Yeah. No, yeah. You know, we like to um, set up and, and chat chat with the guys, yeah. the, the ladies. You know, get yeah. to know them when, yeah. if they're willing to, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and just get to know them as to why they're out there because the stories that they have is, you know, that's what you, you know, where you're going back to what you're saying. Everybody has a story as to why they're out there. Exactly. You know, I've heard many. You know, well, my spouse was really sick and I had to leave my job mm-hmm. and take care of her. And then she passed away. Yeah. And I lost everything. Mm-hmm. And they, because of the, you know, the grief and then not having that support or having a job mm-hmm. at a house, it lent, you know, they, they, that's where they ended up. And it's, I'm assuming it's very hard to get back on your feet Absolutely. when they don't have a phone, they don't have an address, mm-hmm. and people look down on them. Absolutely. And it's like, how can you look down at somebody who's already down on their luck? Mm-hmm. You know, we're all one foot out that door. If the pandemic hasn't taught any of us that, I don't know what other example it could. Because they shut down jobs, they shut down uh, you going out, being able to support yourself. The eviction moratorium is going to be uh, coming to an end September. So there's going to be a lot of people that look down on unhoused people that are going to be joining the ranks of unhoused people because there's very limited resources for you to get housing or magically get back on your feet. Imagine like the gentleman that I was uh, talking to, his name was Gustavo. His wife had brain cancer. And he took care of her. I mean, she passed away again, and he couldn't, you know, again, couldn't cope with the, he had the grieving issues, and then he ended up on the street. So these things are a real thing that people forget. All it takes is a medical emergency. You could do all of the right things you think you're doing. You don't have to be on substances. You don't have to be mentally ill. You can have a family member that's sick, and you're caring for him. Like the young 18-year-old uh, we had with a 3-year-old, but her grandmother was bedridden, invalid. They were trying to evict her. So it, it doesn't take you being making bad choices. No. Life can happen to you anywhere. Yeah, yeah, it, and it's you know it's it's really. You're welcome. It's it's extremely sad. We really need more of our neighbors to 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 put a little bit on their side to help and to see outside that box and to see that the need um, that we have out here. You know, and ten dollars. You know, a, a bag of clothes. Mm-hmm. Huh? Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. Not to be judgy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we can't really pass so much judgment when we don't know nobody's their life and their really their story. Yeah. And, and even if we did, who are we to judge? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the man <laughs> up there is the only one, and, and and that's all we need. Yeah. You know, we just need to have more, come from more from the heart. Yeah. And just, you know, this, yeah, you can see, but see the need mm-hmm. instead of see, oh my God, look at all that mess or, uh, you know, all of that. We need to see more with, with loving, with loving eyes. As it used to say, it doesn't cost anything to yeah. be kind. It doesn't. No. 
this is, thank you very much for your touching stories as well as your uh, advocacy and your activism. This is Theo Henderson from Weedy Unhoused, and I thank you all for listening. And it is my hope we meet in the light of understanding. This is Theo Henderson from We and House, and we're still here at National Veterans Park. We have a uh, grill and chill event here with the different people of all walks of life and different stations of life giving back to the community. So I'm going to go do a little round robin and introduce everyone. So speak loud so everyone can hear you. So here we go. Hey, my name is Ryan Higgins, Doc Higgins. Uh, I'm, uh, I guess, uh, the medic of the row uh, here at uh, Veteran Row. Um, my name is Francisco Juarez, and I'm a Marine Corps veteran in Vietnam. Brian Thompson. I'm a local resident here of the Brentwood neighborhood next to the Soldier's Home. Excellent. Thank you guys uh, for stopping in and talking with me today. So tell us a little bit about what's going on here. We'll start with you, and then we'll come back around. Ryan. Uh, well, what's happening here from a, from a land use standpoint or misuse standpoint uh, is this is a uh, about 400 remaining acres of a national soldier's home uh, that was deeded in public trust to the United States government to perpetually when uh, in 1887 mm. to perpetually maintain as a soldier's home and uh, you know there are a lot of people out there that respect that right that it's 134 years ago but there's also people out there that say well that was 134 years ago uh, but the fact of the matter is that uh, 134 years ago whether it's back then or whether it's today there have been laws enacted in Congress and, and, and rules and regulations that still maintain that this is nothing but a national soldier's home. And unfortunately, uh, especially since around 1971, uh, there's been a mass eviction of disabled uh, veterans mm -hmm. from this land, which has basically coincided with the origin of veteran homelessness in Los Angeles. And that's a big deal because Los Angeles is the nation's capital of veteran homelessness, and it has been since then. Well, let me bring this to you, because there are people that say, when, when they always say, support our troops, God bless our troops. I know you've all heard that. Uh, well, you know, it's a shame how they do our homeless veterans, or that this, um, they are just, uh, or do you hear the news when a, a house veteran has committed a crime or something? And then they say, what I'm hearing, that there was unoccupied buildings already here to house unhoused people. What do you say to these kind of conversations? What is your perspective on these things? I'll start with you as a medic here. That what do you what do you say when you hear people talk about unhoused veterans? It's a shame how we treat them. I think it's unforgivable. I think to steal off the veterans, uh, it's, uh, it's it's amounts of treason. Those should be uh, strung up and shot for treason uh, in a country We're supposed to be a nation of laws. And uh, we go out there and we fight for the borders to be secure, and the nation falls from the inside due to a bunch of paperwork. It's it's ridiculous. Why should a, a veteran die in the streets? All this happens so well and can copy these simple laws and push paper around. You can't do anything for the man that's sitting there right on the street right now. You have billions of dollars at your access, and it doesn't go to us. Well, what is my, uh, what, what is your perspective, Francisco? I've left you out of the conversation. Actually, um, I, I agree with everything that's been said, but I, I would like to correct you uh, in your introduction. You, say, you call this a national park. That's because you were reading the plaque right, here right, that right. was 
placed there by people we call land grabbers I see. that are manipulating and changing things, always referring to this as a campus mm -hmm. instead of the gift land for mm. veterans. Okay. So there's this whole uh, conspiracy taking place uh, using politicians, using the wealth of large entities and the wealth of this Brentwood community to uh, maintain a land use policy that results in this out here. Mm. Uh, these people are eligible for uh, veteran health care, but okay. yet they're outside. Right. And even those that are on the inside are intense. Mm -hmm. This isn't 1932. Right. This is 2021, <laughs> and these people are intense. Right. While illegal leaseholders are using the property buildings that have shelter and heating and air conditioning. So there's something very wrong with that picture. Thank you for educating me on that, because I basically drank the Kool-Aid myself, uh, if Jim Jones reference, because I'm thinking like, okay, this is unfortunate. Some people have fallen through the cracks, and you got the unhoused out there. I see everyone, the, the, the veterans have their flags, and then I'm hearing, it's brought to my attention, did you know that three different other buildings here are unoccupied? There's no, no, nothing going on in these, these buildings where they could be housing the, uh, the unhoused veterans, and you're telling me uh, about the land grab and the shady deeds. So it shows you just because you're unhoused a veteran, they crap on you just like they crap on the unhoused people that are not veterans. They just hide behind patriotism as if they are really servicing and caring about the soldiers and troops. Uh, so um, one of the other questions, so I'm going to move on to this, is that uh, what got you here to wanting to help the uh, unhoused veterans here as a medic? Uh, I came here originally to quit drinking. I was going through a divorce. I got hit with the housing market. Uh, my life turned upside down and out and uh, ended up here trying to get help for uh, drinking. Uh, ended up not drinking uh, due to coming out here and working with these guys and uh, just being the medic for them. So it's just kind of the circumstances I was left to, the best I could make of it. And this is what uh, was coming of it. That's wonderful. How long have you been out on the streets? Uh, are you still on the streets or are you still, are you I'm still on the streets? I um, supposedly have housing, but that's that's a whole other argument and issue. But, um, I understand. <laughs> yeah, but I've been here for about six, seven years. Okay. That's about that. Well, it's good. But I, I, mutual aid is always helping people where no matter where you are. And I, I applaud you for helping people that are in the with skills that you have. Not everyone has the medic skills. And I appreciate that you have that to help people. So uh, let's let's get to you and let's talk a little bit about your story. How What got you out here? Well, I'm, uh, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and I've spent most of my life living here next to the soldier's home, mm -hmm. uh, you know, in different neighborhoods. Uh, it's always been a little bit of a curiosity to me. Uh, and I started uh, going on Nextdoor when Nextdoor was coming out. Oh, okay. You know, read, reading on my social media group for my neighborhood about uh -huh. uh, these homeless people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, you were talking a little bit ago about drinking the Kool-Aid. Right. And uh, I was definitely drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, okay. You know, I, uh, sadly, if you'd spoken to me, uh, you know, three years ago or something, uh, I would think, you know, they've been here too long we need the police to come out here and, yeah. and take care of this it's exactly. just not right they're yeah. probably going to hurt themselves exactly. and uh i started noticing as i was reading these social media messages exactly. that there was this one group of people that kept saying over and over again right don't talk to these people you can't help them mm -hmm. you got to call the police trust me we know we're the brentwood community council mm. and i go why do they what is this message <laughs> keep the same thing and, and i thought they must be some neighborhood council you know and then exactly. i realized no, they're just a corporation. They're not any neighborhood council, you know? Uh -huh. And so I started looking into it more, and I started realizing that their board members uh -huh. had a bunch of people 
who are the illegal land users that are on this land. Ah, and okay. so that began, my, began a research process, mm -hmm. of which I have about a 90 gigabyte repository of documents now. And I began to learn that the land users here in, you know, that in August 29, 2013, that had been ruled by a federal judge that they had null and void deals and had to go. These same land users who on September 28, 2018, the VA Inspector General ruled that they were fabricating, that they were doing anything for veterans, mm -hmm. and that they were non-compliant with federal law, okay. are these same people, many of them, that are on the board of this fake community council. Uh, so a lot of my advocacy was trying okay. to explain these are veterans, because they said they weren't veterans, mm -hmm. that they were pretending to be veterans. Right. They said that nobody wanted any help here. And, and they still try to say it today, but it's falling apart. But That's the same thing that they utilize for non-veteran unhoused people. They say the same thing, that they don't want help. Exactly. They don't want... Last, last, and, and the reason why I'm saying this, because yesterday at Sportsman Lodge, uh, the unhoused community was evicted from Project Roomkeep. They were in housing. They had a, 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 in, in a hotel, and they told them, and they're telling people now that these people didn't want help. They didn't want any housing. They didn't want any housing. And these people who are crying, families and things of that nature, are, are upset and have to be forcibly removed by police. If they didn't want help and they didn't want housing, why would they have to be forcibly removed by police? Yeah. So I just don't make any sense. So they're saying the same stories yeah. about veterans, what they say about non-veterans as well. It's the same game book. And I, I'm just so thrown off when I'm hearing this. I'm like, dude. Well, don't be thrown off because this happened right before World War II. Oh, okay. In Germany, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, Hitler, mm -hmm. the chancellor at that time, yeah. instituted the same kind of policies. Okay. Beginning to move the homeless around. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they were the test uh, lab for rats, if you will, for the... Uh, Camps. Yeah. You know, incidentally, another thing about uh, what people don't know about Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler got his inspiration from the Jim Crow policies that they were doing with African-American and my, and my, my families and my, and my friends and ancestors uh, that were. Do they, so he had a lot of inspiration, a lot of things to cook together. But they did definitely uh, criminalize unhoused people in that period of time as well as they're doing it now. Yep. But it's just so it's just like they're utilizing uh, a separation by utilizing the saying, hey, these are veterans, we should support our troops. They're, they're overly patriotic, you'll see the flag, they'll have the, they get up in a, across uh, in a tizzy when someone bends the knee against the injustices, but yet they are still crapping on people of veterans here, out here, right. and they just don't want you to know about it. Right, and, and you know, a big reason too, mm -hmm. I think that uh, it's becoming such a focus. Uh, there's the obvious part of it, yeah, right, which right. is uh, veterans uh, span, uh, it's a bipartisan issue mm -hmm. in politics, right? There are a lot of people who care about veterans and are patriotic in this country. Mm -hmm. um, but the other side of it is, they're very, they're a very unique population mm -hmm. because veterans are are the only people that, if they're homeless, right now have a lot of laws mm -hmm. that mandate for them to have housing. Mm -hmm. The fight, the fight for non-veteran housing is a bigger challenge right now yes, because uh, because the people who are against this humanity mm -hmm. can say, there's no law saying we have to do this. Mm -hmm. But for veterans, there is. Mm -hmm. And so if the veterans start getting housed, mm -hmm. and if that's, you know, that's that's kind of the 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 uh, the big bang mm -hmm. of what could house the homeless population. Right? Yes. So there's a lot riding there. Yes. yes. We've always stated that, that you solve this homeless, veteran homeless situation, you will have a model to use um, on the general mm -hmm. population. Mm -hmm. and, and it begins with a home. Everybody deserves a home. Absolutely. But veterans have a home. It's right. just somebody's got the keys. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, 
Well, that's very much similar to like Project Room Key having a place, but they don't give you the key. They just say you just you just window dressing. That's basically instead of addressing. Yeah, that, 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 there you go. So, what are the what do you think can change this to start to wake up people? Because there's a lot of people that look at it from a zooming, uh, basically a half uh, well thought out approach. They just basically say round them up. Or some of them have told me to my face that put them out in the desert. They, some of them will say, you know, throw them in jail. Uh, some of them, you know, have some other uh, sinister ideas of killing them and all of that kind of thing. But so what do you think will, uh, can kickstart this, get waking up people's consciousness and doing this? You know, days could be spent answering that question. But um, what I can say from the standpoint of trying to speak to let's say, the general population or non-veterans uh, as, as a non-veteran. Um, we are the victims, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not the victims where it's a matter of life and death, mm-hmm. like it is for veterans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we are the victims from the standpoint that uh, just regarding this national soldier's home right here, right. Uh, we are paying over a billion dollars a year mm-hmm. in federal taxes right. for this place to be doing what it's supposed to, which is house veterans, mm-hmm. house disabled and homeless veterans, mm-hmm. okay? It's not, not it's right. not happening. Almost all this land is being taken over, okay? okay? It's being given away. Uh, on top of that, we've had the uh, HHH Homeless Housing Bonds Program mm-hmm. that we vote, many of us voted for here mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Uh, that was $1.6 or $1.8 billion, I can't mm-hmm. remember which. That was, uh, what, five or six years ago? Mm-hmm. We have almost no housing to show for it, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then we have uh, the federal government has appropriated uh, through Congress uh, between about 2007 and now mm-hmm. about a billion and a half dollars mm-hmm. for this land to undergo seismic improvements to buildings, construction projects to improve and build housing and utilities and infrastructure to house these homeless veterans. Mm-hmm. None of them have happened. None of them. So Unbelievable. what this... I think we can do here is is realize that the victims are not just veterans. No. Yeah. We're being robbed. Yeah. And that is a fact. And I guess my uh, the best way I could sum up a, a solution to that or an answer to that question is mm-hmm. common sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we need to tell ourselves that when somebody tells us something, that they're doing something, we have to think about what they're saying mm-hmm. and we have to ask a question. Mm-hmm. And I can assure those who are willing to do that that when somebody says that they're doing these things when they say well I'm trying to understand we're spending a billion dollars for this mm-hmm. then there's all the homeless housing bonds these people say they're building housing for years it's not happening it hasn't happened where did the money go mm-hmm. right that's a common sense question and when these questions are, are being asked these people will not be able to answer them and you will see that the most simple questions of common sense the people who are behind these frauds are unable to answer them and the more of us that ask those questions uh, there's a lot of power to that, right? There's a lot of power to doing what you're doing. There's a lot of power to the blood, sweat, and tears of this. But there's also an incredible amount of power as a unified voice mm-hmm. to ask these questions, whether you're sitting in your armchair at home or you're out here doing what you're doing. Because once we're asking those questions, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big crack in the ceiling of this. Absolutely. We have to do with all we have to do. We have to do this. We have to basically really get people to stop and listen because, again, I was corrected about it because I'm thinking naively, oh, this is the National Veterans Park. But when you're educating me on this, it's like it's making me realize how connected a lot of these things is and how concentrated greed and capitalism have basically displaced 
everybody. We've been affected from the the veterans to people that are naively just listening to what they've been told or to the unhoused that are not veterans or people that it's just like a, such a cluster, uh, just a mess, I will just say. I, I want to add uh, to that by telling you that um, it, most families have a veteran in them, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. those that are in Southern California um, in the venue of this Pacific mm-hmm. branch of the National Home for Disabled Volunteer mm-hmm. Soldiers, uh, they are entitled to the use of this land. Mm-hmm. And this land was deeded, in, as he said, in 1888. Mm-hmm. It was set up in 1887, but it was deeded in 1888. Mm-hmm. On that same day, in a separate trust, mm-hmm. there was a beach front property at the bottom of the California incline mm-hmm. donated for the residents of the home. Mm. Uh, so what does that mean today? That means today on those dog day afternoons in Burbank mm-hmm. and South Central and East LA that families are being robbed of the opportunity to get to get brought over here mm-hmm. and from here picnic or shuttle down to your beach. Mm-hmm because it was yours mm-hmm. and it was taken back then land grab is nothing new they've been trying to steal it for years yeah fortunately it was written in such a way that they haven't been able to get around it mm-hmm. so if you go to nhdvs.net okay. i'll say it again nhdvs.net you will find uh a bunch of information forensic research mm-hmm. that brings up all the questions that ryan uh talks about and they're they're all uncontested mm-hmm. they're all uncontested the, if they had had a chance to come back and tell them ryan you're wrong mm-hmm. they they would have but they haven't that wow this is uh i see you have some newspapers here what's 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 up with this oh, this is uh one of the local branches of newspapers uh, they put out different articles you know uh about how none of us here are veterans and none of us want help. Show it to the camera. Yeah, the camera would love to see this. Well, I'll let you know that Brown Community Council I was mentioning. Yeah. They, they, their board members founded this newspaper. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So they're putting out the hate mail or the hate, uh, hate propaganda off of this. A lot of propaganda. I use this to line my bird. Is that yeah? Now Brentwood Community Council unanimously opposes bond and shelter plan. Yes. Is that any type of surprise? Yeah. You know, greed. And as you can see, all of the uh, the pictures of the veterans with their flags, they're utilizing as well. They are two Americans, as you can see. So which? Well, looks like everybody hiding under the Brentwood Community Council. There is actually a lot of homeless housing projects that they don't oppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not. One I know is in shelter. I mean, uh, in the desert. Right, okay. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, they it. don't oppose housing them in Mar Vista. Mm-hmm. They don't oppose housing them down in Venice. Mm-hmm. They don't oppose housing them downtown or the desert, like you said. Mm-hmm. And this is a shame too, because I wish that these other real neighborhood councils realize this. Mm-hmm. Because when the Brentwood Community Council is in trouble here, mm-hmm. they try to band with them and get together with them and exactly. say we're against this. Exactly. But yet they forget. Or they never knew mm-hmm. that they've been trying to stick them in their neighborhoods, exactly. rather than this home we're all paying for. Exactly, excellent. And you know, they basically just trying to uh, throw the hand and hide the uh, rock, throw the rock and hide the hand, exactly. basically. Yes. So I think you guys have definitely educated me, and I would love to uh, 
to have this again come back and follow up with you guys and seeing what other endeavors and I actually I'm going to put my uh, my my nose to the ground and keep my finger on the pulse of this because I think this this story definitely needs to be not just a one episode thing more uh, to be talked about because the more we talk about it the more we up, uplift this and, and and put some light to this I think people are going to be shaken and disturbed by this is there anything else that I'm missing uh, out, out of this no we really appreciate uh, those of you others that uh, help get involved in, in uh get their boots on the ground, you know, I just don't like boots on the ground, good. Thank you. Uh, you know, there are 17,000 children who are homeless in uh, L.A. County. Uh, are you going to tell me that they chose to be homeless? Uh, you know, I, this is the same thing whether it is veterans or non-veterans who are against. Uh, most, at least most, of these homeless people are not choosing uh, to be homeless. Yeah. They're not choosing to go to the bathroom in the street and to be harassed and to be assaulted and to be cold and to be sick. They would rather be in a home. And uh, we are mad. We are all mad. No matter how much money we have or don't, no matter uh, where we live or not in this county, we are mad whether we know it or not that we are spending all of this money as we struggle to make our own livings and struggle to, to live our own version of the American dream. Uh, and being robbed, and none of it is housing these people, it is actually only creating more homelessness. You know, there were, on, on average, there were 5,000 veterans living in here, disabled veterans living in here, uh, from around the 1890s to the, uh, the 1970s. That population has now declined here to approximately 200, okay? And if you look at all the surrounding neighborhoods here in the west side, one of the key differences is from the east side is at least a third of them, of the homeless population, are veterans. So it, it, it's, it's no coincidence that there's this inversely proportional relationship between the eviction of disabled veterans here that you and I and everyone else here are paying to house here. Right. And, and of being evicted and this you know explosion that's now made us the nation's capital of better homes. Unbelievable. And that's the only word word I know I keep saying it, but it's unbelievable, but sadly believable because I've really been on house houses in so many facets. This is Theo Henderson for Woody and House, and I thank you very much for all for listening, and I hope again we meet in the light of understanding. Thank you very much. This is Theo Henderson for Woody and Howard. I'm so, it was out of a lucky set of circumstances I get to interview Mr. John Adams. Mr. John Adams. I was interviewing another uh, group, Mr. Brown, and I had ran into Mr. Adams on my way out. I promised to go and see him in the Inland Empire. Time elapsed, and then we, we, we reunite today. So this is his time. He's going to tell us a little bit about his uh, program and what his motivation is. So tell us a little bit about the barbecue over there. Now, I have to warn you, I'm with the FBI, the Federal uh, Food and Beverage Investigation. Okay. So I well, definitely got to check it out. I got to check I, out the food. I understand. I, I, know, understand. I, I came with a healthy appetite. Hey. I may take some leftovers. Just, hey. just we, fair warning. We got 200 pounds of chicken over there, so if, if you like chicken, go oh, over there. Well, you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my key. So yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So tell me about it. What got you involved? Well, first of all, I'm a Vietnam vet, and pretty much we got, and I, I'm trying to curb my language, um, we got treated like crap when we came back. Um, actually, when I came back, this thing was still up, and um, I just had to have a way to give back. Uh, were you able to utilize these services or not? No. Um, I, I hit this place when I first got back from Vietnam, and that was the last time I hit it. 
because I moved into Orange County, and it's a totally different thing. You go to Long Beach or wherever, and you go down there. But um, what brought you back here? You know, what? Why? Why now? My way of giving back. Um, about four years ago, I started an organization called Wellness for Veterans. Um, we initially started out uh, as a quote-unquote cannabis-friendly organization. In, in, in order to, um, our, our focus was to eliminate that 22 a day thing. So what's 22 a day help us out? Oh, the 20, oh, well, 22 a day is representative of the number of suicides that are committed every day because of opioid overdose or opioid uh, complications. 22 people a day. 22 veterans a day. 22 veterans. Yes. That's, that's a high number. Well, actually, the number is probably higher, but the recorded number is 22. Um, the thing is, we got people like people living here on Veterans Row. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about Veterans Row until four months ago. And when I found out about it, I came down and touched my heart. I've been doing this out in the Inland Empire. We have a VA facility. We have a, a, a veterans facility at March Air Force Base. Veterans Village there. We have Veterans Village at Long Island. All these places are income based, if you can believe it. So I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. A guy like myself yeah. that's 100% disabled, yeah, yeah. I can't live there because I make too much money. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that I was married and whatnot, yeah. got two incomes, yeah. I'd probably be out here. Yeah, right. Because you know, I can't. Rent I can't, is too damn expensive. I can tell you well, that. Rent in the state of California, yeah. you have to make 3.5 times the rent in order to rent it. Well, if the apartment costs three grand, we don't come up with nine, ten thousand dollars at a one. Right? Like I said, we 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 do most of our activity on the Empire. Uh, we represent the DAV, the Disabled American Veterans, and primarily we feed them. That that's why we feed them. We, we get donations of clothing and comfort, comfort items and stuff like that. And we just we just dropped off a whole band of stuff down, down at the drop zone this morning. And now we're gonna give them a fried chicken dinner. Which I'm gonna investigate first. Sure <laughs> I'm with the food and beverage investigation, so I have to make sure it's good. Absolutely. And and this is I mean this is for us we've committed to do this once a month. And, and if we can, you know, and it's all Fund based. If we can get the funds, we can keep it going. So, is there any way where people that want to donate? Do you have a website or anything like that to talk and Onto Wellness for Veterans, and there's a there's a link on there for GoFundMe. And hey, we're looking for it. We need we need the help in order to help these guys. Out. I, mean, I haven't seen them yet, but I was told that there's a woman and two kids out there. Yeah. I, I more than one. Really? Yeah. They weren't here last month when I was here, so I'm just trying to check them out. I mean, it's sad enough that we have individuals. But we you know, start having families and Which is the perfect segue. There in the city, there are people having uh, creating legislation to prevent people from moving to school, 
and they're not understanding their unhoused families out here and criminalize them. They're going to go into hiding because they don't want their kids taken. They don't want to be criminalized. And this is the reality. It's just not just what people always think of people are mentally ill and substance use. There's so many different kind of communities out here that, you know, they have an elderly population that's growing. I'm talking about 70, 80 years old, and people are running around telling them to get a job. That's not going to get crazy. Where's he going to work? Where's he going to work? And you know the sad part about this yeah. That's the VA. Yeah. These guys are not allowed in there. Yeah. And the they, people inside they, they, are not allowed to interact with them out there. Right. You know, they can, they get, go to a bathroom. They get to get a plate with some food on it. These guys out here don't get dirty. You're out here, you're out here. If you're in there, you're in there, and you can't. Like you said, intermingle. Here's the crazy thing about it, too, is that you can't even uh, have your own rights. If there is something wrong in the place, I was just informed that the guy was getting uh, contaminated water out of the faucet. Yeah, he makes a complaint, like everyone else does in an apartment, and now they're throwing him out. Now he's going to house out here. One day he's going to be out here on the street. Exactly, because he, he complained about the water. The water was brown. Supposed to do. You want to drink brown water? Yeah. I mean, that's great. It's, 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 it's a total disgrace to the point that, like myself, these men and women sacrifice their country. And it's not a known fact, but let's there's a large percentage of these folks out here that, that suffer from mental illness. Can you off back? Can I see that shirt again? Because I'm going to say this with your point, your shirt. It says the VA, living veterans, the second chance to die or for their country since 1930. Outstanding. So that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, you know, they, they, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. Now, I, I wanted to talk to you about it. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because many people have this belief system, and I grew up in the era of Nancy Reagan just saying to say no. Then I remember in the community uh, when I was in Chicago about the free strike law when the crack epidemic ran out and I came out. And I remember the criminalization that went with it. And you mentioned something like, you know, you've had a dispensary trying to give people some kind of way to mitigate pain. What is your perspective about substance usage along with the uh, veterans? Uh, do you worry that some person or some mom or parent will look upset about you trying to help them from uh, opioid addiction? Right now, we don't have that issue. Because, and mainly because the... So the people in my era, I say my era, the Vietnam era, we're already in the cannabis. And we were in the cannabis a long time before. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. But see, back then, we didn't realize the medical aspect of the medical benefit that it was given. We're smoking to get high. Period. You know, no jokes about it. But then, once you become familiar with and realize that it does have a medical value, I mean, the rubs, oh man, talk about arthritis, knees, knees, and arms, and oh, the, the cannabis rubs. So the James Brown split is out, right? Oh, no, 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 no more James Brown. That ain't happening. But the fact, is, the fact of the matter is, the sooner we can get the VA government to realize the medical aspects of the 
um, it has so many medical benefits for people that, that can use it. And I want to also ask this too: is how do you think it helps people that have suicidal ideations or suicidal uh, uh, pressing issues on their minds? What, what do you think? How does marijuana help with that? Or cannabis? It gives you a mellow state of mind. I mean, you ever seen, I mean, you go in a bar, right, and dude's drinking, he's drunk, you know, come out, he might want to fight, yeah, yeah. you know, get in his car and kill somebody or something. I go to a cannabis event, everybody's laid back, having a good time, ain't nobody fighting, ain't nobody, you know, jumping up and down. It's, it's a total different thing. Now, it does have medical benefits. Yeah. Somebody like myself with PTSD, when my triggers shoot off, yeah. it's better for me to go, and I got to look, and it, this is straight up to, okay. about me a tough shed. Okay, what's, a, what's a tough shed? A t you know, the little storage shed. Oh, okay, all right. The, hey, the, the storage building. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Got tough you. shed. Okay, tough shed. That's what you, okay, go ahead. 10 by 12. Yeah, 10 by 12. TV, Xbox, refrigerator. Oh, you got, oh, hey. You got you, we call a bunker. Okay, hey, go my ahead. man cave. That's yeah, a, yeah, a, yeah, yeah, But point being is when I get like that, just go out there and roll a blind, chill out. Somebody that's drinking, he gonna go get drunk. He gonna be fighting with his wife. He gonna beat the kids. No, I'm chilling out. Me and, me and my service dog, he's sitting right there next to me and I'm chilling. Uh, marijuana is not a stimulant. You know, it's not going to make you... Or a gateway drug, if people have said... Oh, my God. Well, if it, if it was a gateway drug, then I would be on some serious stuff, because I've been... I initially started smoking marijuana when I was 12 years old. Okay. Well, back then, you were smoking junk compared to what you're smoking now. I smoked when I was, and, and quiet is kept with everybody. You know, we smoked while we was in Nam. And the, we, the stuff that we got in Nam was so potent that you could take two hits and leave it alone. Yeah, wow. I'm serious. But um, the medical aspects of marijuana are becoming more prevalent. Because look at, look at on TV. Before, within the last few years, Hemp products have you seen on TV? And I'm not just on this cannabis, like clothing and yes. you know, food, like edibles and things like that. Yeah, so it's, yeah. It's become, it's, I mean, they say it's against the law. Why is it being traded on Wall Street? Why is it a multi-billion dollar business? And celebrities are putting it in flat. Uh, oh, man, I just saw like Tyson. Yeah. Tyson got his own dispensary. Mm -hmm. He got his own little setup by Palm Springs uh -huh. for a retreat. Oh, really? I just saw Magic on TV this morning, and I was surprised that he was promoting a hemp product. Uh, so, I mean... Well, that's where he got his magic from. <laughs> <laughs> So he know he know the business. That'll work. That'll work. And I mean, we got celebrities. Mike Tyson got a place up in Adelanto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all over. So it's it, it doesn't have the same stigma so much as, as back in the times when I was growing up. You know, people all the grease on, grease made. Why didn't they talk about sticks, army sticks, and all that kind of stuff? You know, it just started with Reefer Madness. Exactly. Reefer Madness. Yeah. I mean, that movie just flipped okay, everybody yeah. out. Yeah. They went. 
in your side and uh, you're going to smoke weed and be killing people and uh, oh, they had all kinds of craziness going on. Because we all know that was nonsense, yeah, but yeah. hey, it is what it is, right? But I think when propaganda is a very strong tool, and I, like, I thank you for talking about it. The reason why I really emphasize this is because of understanding why people are using certain substances and the real issues and benefits that happen. It's just like we have a society that loves to blame and shame and throw a finger wag at people right. that are suffering that don't match what capitalism has for them. People have a lot of trauma from war or living in a hard, toxic environment, and they are utilizing these things so they can be able to level back to a, or center themselves in a better place. And that's, and for example, like my parents, uh, like my mother had cancer. You know, she took, you know, some interesting things, the cocktails that maybe people would have frowned at, but they helped, they had to get, help mitigate her pain at the end of the end of her life. So, what, you know, this is the same I, thing. I, I've been there, done that. My mom passed the pancreatic cancer, and in her last year, and this is no lie, they gave her a bottle of morphine. That sucker was this yeah, big. Yeah, yeah. Morphine. Yeah. And I can tell you, morphine is very deceptive. It's more deceptive than any drug, because I got stabbed like five years ago, mm -hmm. and I had certain things, parts of my body removed, and I'm telling you, when they gave me for the pain at night when that morphine, I, I mean, I'm like, I can get used to this. You do, you do, and that, that's what happens. Um, and like myself, and I tell, tell this story because it's a true one. Back in two, up until 2013, I was a VA advocate. I was a patient advocate, independent, not working with the VA, but I knew that hospital back and forth, so somebody can, oh man, where's such and such? I can tell them where to go. 2014, tables turned. All those horror stories that I had been listening to, oh, the VA did this to me, the VA. Now it started happening to me. And it was like, whoa. And it's like, it's crazy, man. I, I, like I said, I was an advocate. But at the same time, I was still taking my pills. I didn't realize what, what kind of state of mind I was in. I was walking around like a zombie. I mean, I was zoned out. And it wasn't until I realized, until I brought it the bear and my wife mentioned it. She said, yeah, didn't, you know, I didn't want to, you know, upset you or nothing, but, you know, you know, that's the real deal. And you walk around me like you stone. 2014, I quit. Cold turkey, because doctor, I told him I wanted to wean off. He said, oh, well, you got you to gotta slowly stop taking this one and slowly stop taking that one. No. I quit, but that was the wrong thing to do, and yeah. I'll tell you uh, why. I, I was gonna say, I'll tell I, you I, why. It was hard for me to get off. No, the I quit. <laughs> no, I didn't. It wasn't hard. But the, the thing that messed me up, at the time I was almost 300 pounds. Oh, okay. When you, no, when my skin didn't have a chance to, you know, the elasticity and stuff. Man, I, my stomach looks like one of them shark dogs from China. <laughs> You know, but that's that's what happens when you lose weight too rapidly. Yeah, yeah. But I'd rather do that than take some pills. And that was the consequence that I had to deal with. I don't care about this. Ain't nobody looking at me but me and my wife. So, yeah, no. hey, I ain't worried about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Richard Roundtree days over, huh? Oh, for real? <laughs> ain't, ain't no more Richard Roundtree. None of that. You know, yeah. just chilling.
72 years old. And, uh, I gotta have a way to help. We have a lot of tastes, but we're going to want to make sure it's getting done right. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I emphasize that we work with veterans. Yeah, yeah. But we also work with the local Riverside community. We, uh, there are three homeless uh, shelters out there that we support. Okay. Um, and because a lot of times we have more food than we can put in one spot. Oh. So we share the wealth. Oh, hey, you know, you know we, we spread they love around. You, little Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> you may not be able to leave. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, like I said, our priority is veterans because of the way they get Yeah, I, I did. But, like, I mean, consider what's happening right now. Look at these Afghanistan brothers and sisters that said, oh, man, that's, that's messed up. Yeah, they pulled it out, so we stayed over here for 20 years. Yeah. Now what's going to happen? You know what I tell them? I empathize with you, but I'm watching history repeat itself. They did the same thing to us when we came back to Vietnam. They're going to do the same thing to you. They're going to bring all these immigrants, all these refugees over here while you stood not in the street. While you looking for some place to stay. We're gonna help these immigrants come over here, the, the refugees, because the country's getting jacked up by the Taliban. We got people living on the street right here, partner. We already have a Taliban. We got a Christian Taliban leaving them out here. Exactly. The, you know, the VA Taliban. Yeah, exactly. Leaving the city Taliban. You know, and I don't know it to be a fact. Don't, don't quote me on this. But they tell me this building right here is used for animal and human research. Oh, I see. This building right here with all these vents and stuff coming out of it. And when you look at it, it makes sense. Why would they need all that ventilation for just an ordinary building? But instead of instead of saying, oh, we're gonna fix the this campus is what, 300 and some odd acres, and it's supposed to be for veterans. Yeah. And they got what 50 veterans staying over there. 
They got to be over there, and they're not even supposed to interact with people out here or and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, they got to have on their little ID tags. Here come some of them right now. But I guess they're saying the hell with it. They want something to eat. Yeah, Hungry is, Hungry is universal. It don't matter what a damn tag. It don't matter. It don't matter. I'm worried about it. And the fact that they, the fact that they make themselves, see, but that's what pisses me off. There, there, there. A certain level of gentrification, I guess. Mm -hmm. the right word. Okay, you stay over there. I'm gonna put a tag on you to make you seem like you're better or different than them, and I could be able to. You could help me criminalize someone that looks different. That's what's happening in Tokyo too. These these men and women out here did the same thing that the men and women did in there. So why are you treating different? Why are you letting them have a bathroom? And they don't have a bathroom. And they got a porta. They got two porta potties. And they don't keep it clean, apparently. Oh no. I was so embarrassed last month. Somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody with a real strong constitution, because the damn thing was so full, went in there with a five gallon bucket and scooped it out. Hey, that, that, that takes a strong constitution. Well, I, I, I couldn't have did it. No, no, no. I mean, I, I, admittedly, when I was in Vietnam, we had to burn the, the, the burn the thing, you know. But we just got a hook, drug it out, and threw a lighter in it because it was diesel fuel. They don't need the fuel in there. Toxic waste. Toxic, super toxic waste. But it's, it's madness. Uh, well, Mr. Adams, I thank you very much. I'm like, I'm going to uh, con conclude this interview, but I'll, I'll open up, launch my investigation on the uh, chicken situation over there to see if it's uh, off the snuff. And I thank you all for tuning in and listening to Mr. Adams. We're going to follow up and uh, interview him in Inland Empire, kidnap him in the Tokyo for a minute as well. Uh, this is Theo Henderson for Weedian House. I thank you all for listening, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you very much for your time. Houselessness is like stage four cancer. It's growing and spreading all over the world in different ways and different means. And the thing is the same. House and house veterans, unhoused veterans, we all are going to be affected by it. It doesn't matter what symbol or sign or bag that you're in. Houselessness is still the same when you're out here on the sidewalk. So, but the issue is this, that before you become sometimes uh, displaced, their circumstances beyond your control. And this is when the conversation begins where people that are unhoused or had experiences with unhoused have to tiptoe around. Fighting against and standing up for themselves because people believe that you should be grateful for abusive, interesting, uh, abusive circumstances or being threatened. Uh, I too can explain, uh, have some challenges where people start to yell at you or disrespect you because you have had a foray in houselessness and they expect you to squeal and quiver against their abuse. Uh, this this guest that's coming up is going to tell us this story and how it maybe he it may end up unhoused on the street. So let's hear it from his own words. Let's introduce ourselves. My name is Theo Henderson from Weedian House. What's your name for the record? Grant Hall. Mr. Hall, tell us your story because your story is indicative and is very important and we would like to hear it. So I'll, I'll try to be as concise as possible. Um, I ended up homeless because of a because uh, of a failed relationship uh, after ten years in 2015, and uh, I spent about six months 
on the streets without uh, seeking any VA benefits. I got out in 2000, got out in 2004, and it wasn't until 2015 that I started, uh, you know, uh, going here for my health care, and, and I didn't even know about the VA at that point. Um, so when I ended up here, I bounced around from program to program. Uh, first, I was in the Haven, which is closed now, uh, 212. After that, it was the Dom for about 30 days. Um, after that, uh, went to the 257 Welcome Center, and then finally ended up at 116 New Directions. So when I went to New Directions, um, I actually had the most success as far as uh, being able to get back on my feet. Uh, it was a good program at the time. Now, when I uh, when I when I was ready to get back on my feet as far as move away from, from the programs, um, I found out about uh, a property over at the Sepulveda VA. It's called a ND or New Direction Sepulveda, which is a, a permanent supporting permanent supportive housing situation where you pay rent, but you also have services and social work if, if you need it. So. In 2016, moved there. Um, it wasn't until about 2018 that I started to notice some major issues as far as infrastructure goes. Um, as far as the uh, as far as the water goes, I mean, this this is a sample from the water uh, over at the apartment. For people that are seeing it, this looks brown, even though the light hopefully can catch the brown color to that. That's what's coming out of the faucet? Correct. Uh, the way I noticed it was that I had gone on vacation for a couple weeks, and I know it's it's not too uncommon to see uh, to see uh, discoloration of water, especially if you haven't turned it on for a while, but I wasn't gone that long. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first time I turned on the shower, I saw, uh, at least for probably about 10 to 15 seconds until the water went clear, it was uh, brownish, orange, red, uh, very visible telltale signs of rust in the water. Mm. At the very least, I mean, that's just visibly what, 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 what uh, people were able to see. And it's not just my building, not just my apartment, it's both buildings. And I've also noticed it at the VA hospital as well, um, that, that, that issue of rusty water. Now, I started doing research and I found out that um, one of the side effects of uh, being exposed to or consuming water with rust in it uh, something I think it's called a coliform bacteria mm -hmm. and that causes gastrointestinal issues uh, diarrhea possibly vomiting uh, I guess it would depend on the concentration levels but for me the, the thing that really stood out was that it can also uh, it can trigger headaches mm -hmm. now I already have I already have the issue of dealing with uh, cluster headaches and severe migraines with photosensitivity, uh, uh, sound will bother me. Uh, there's just a lot of issues that, that affect my body when it's when my head is hurting. So, what I started to do was uh, spread the word um, as an activist. I I, I don't take uh, I don't take opposition lightly, especially when we're talking about the establishment, the system, so to speak. So the, the, the first time I really got pushback was when I printed out a whole bunch of uh, a bunch of flyers 
They basically just had the info of what I just told you uh, as far as, you know, the effects of, of consuming that water, being exposed to it. There was no solicitation. It was literally a, a public service announcement. And um, what, what I did was that I posted the flyers on, on doors because uh, to get it into people's hands in, a, in an apartment setting, you know, could be difficult. Mm-hmm. So within, I'd say about maybe about half an hour, 45 minutes or so, the property management was literally right behind me. As I'm putting them up on doors, they're tearing them down. So I go into, so I go to the other building. There's there's two buildings within that within that program, uh, four and five. Went to five, posted them over there. Came back to four, and I got the cops called on me, mm. the, the VA cops. So they they knew that they wouldn't be able to to meet me with much resistance head on. I'm I, I can be stubborn in a positive way. Mm-hmm. However. Once the cops got involved, I fell back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't want to give them any more ammunition to try to mess with me. So after that, um, and, and I had taken the issue up the chain, so to speak. I had reported it to the same people, the property management that's supposed to be in charge of uh, taking care of those kind of issues. That's an infrastructure issue. Now, the only thing the, the property manage, manager at the time offered was to clean my showerhead filters. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have a 15 stage showerhead filter that I have connected to, to the shower bed. Immediately after using it, you can take the filter out and, and it'll be stained red, orange, you know, uh, brownish, just uh, nasty, visible. And so that was the only offer on the table: was that oh, we'll, we'll clean your filters for you. I can do that myself. That's really not the point. Um, eventually, working up that chain contacting HACLA, which is Housing Authority. Uh, I wasn't getting any satisfaction as far as that goes. And I was actually getting pushback from other residents that, that were like, why do you care? Uh, why, you know, basically like kind of uh, the, 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 telling me the nail sticks up to tamper down, so to speak. And I had already experienced that. So eventually I contacted uh Congressman Brad Sherman, who is the congressman for for that uh, for that jurisdiction mm-hmm. out in the valley, and I never got beside okay, I never got an official uh, a customized response. It was basically like a uh, an automated you know thank you for contacting our office. I did see results that may or may not be attributed to to that complaint because about uh, maybe about a year and a half later. That property management company, uh, they go by John Stewart Company. They they either lost the contract or they didn't renew the contract for whatever reason. Uh, For me, it it seemed like they were abscounding. They were trying to get away. You know, they they, they knew that that there was major issues, that it was going to take more than money to to fix that. So... um, when the new property management company came in, rather than uh, dealing with the corruption of the the prior uh, the prior management, they ended up promoting the assistant manager to main property manager, and she uh, she has made it her her goal in life to make my life as difficult as possible in so many ways, um, and we're talking federal level uh, retaliation. So. Uh, to, to, to bring you up to speed, uh, currently, um, I had a, a I was served, I was served with a ten day notice to quit in, um, in 
April of this year. And um, not to get too deep into that story, but basically um, I was being gang stalked, harassed, threatened by people that were obviously working on behalf or in cahoots with uh, with property management, and they were uh, it eventually got physical. Mm. I have good bearing. However, when things get physical, it's very hard to turn the other cheek. So, um, the the 10-day notice to quit, which I didn't really, I didn't get to answer to any of the charges, you know, not officially. Mm-hmm. That went straight to a UD, or an unlawful detainer, which is an eviction. So, um, when it went to court, uh, as it turns out, the, um, the, the law firm by the name of Neighborhood Legal Services, they were recommended to me by a New Direction social worker. And so, uh, they they pretty much, uh, I would say they, they, they muscled me into uh, accepting a settlement deal that not only went against uh, HACLA guidelines for, for proper transfer of a, of a subsidy voucher and numerous other things, but, um, I w- it was sold to me as a settlement agreement. As it turns out, after we had some, some legal research done on it, after the fact, you know, and finding all that out, uh, it was actually a judgment against me. And so, uh, to fast forward to, to this point today, um, there was numerous uh, stays, and, and uh, uh, you know, at one point there was a sheriff order, notice to vacate, five days. Um, I've always gone to court. I've complied with every everything that I was supposed to do. When I was supposed to move out on the 15th of this month, I had already moved everything out. I had done a final move out inspection, and because of one of the stipulations on the uh, on, on the so-called settlement agreement or the judgment, should I say to be more accurate, um, they were supposed to give me what's known as a good standing letter. For, for HACLA for my voucher so I can transfer and get out of there. I, I was done anyways. What ended up happening was that they were gonna they were gonna try to get me to to, uh, to vacate the unit and then say, okay, now after you vacate, we'll give you the, the good standing letter. Well, according to research, you lose your voucher if you're not if you're not living in your unit when it's transferred. So it was a definitely uh, it was definitely a setup. Let's say I, I, I got the I got the documentation. I've done the research and I've gone through it at this point. It was definitely uh, geared towards just getting me out, but making it as difficult as possible. So as it stands at this moment, um, I'm looking at potentially a five year wait period to get my, uh, my my voucher reinstated. I can't afford rent. I'm on GR and food stamps at this point. I'm waiting for SSI. I have disabilities, um, and so I can't. I I, I can't. Uh, it's very. It's gonna be very difficult to find something for uh, on a GR budget. Uh, any you know, and expect to, to, to live by myself. Like no, it's gonna be a group setting or a roommate situation, which I wouldn't mind, but uh, very difficult to find. So. Uh, that's that's basically uh, that's basically the situation in, in a nutshell. If you have uh, any questions or wow, you're giving me a lot to it's a lot to digest to tell you the truth. Yeah, um, there's so many uh, stops and turns that honestly, uh, 
probably have to come back and re-interview you to get more clarity. But I also uh, thank you for showing us the water. Is it okay we take some photos and yeah. uh, some still shots of that? And I, from the visible, because we're in the darker, so we're probably gonna have to show you and where the light, how dark this water is and how bad it is. And imagine, can you imagine drinking or taking a shower or doing anything or right. cook? Or, let's be real, you know, I'm not sure you probably cook to cook with something like that. No one wants to cook with some right. contaminated water. Yes, and this, the skin is the is the biggest organ on our body. And so even taking a shower, you, you know, you're, it's, uh, you're being exposed to it. Also, um, for a while I had a pure filter yeah. that I was filtering the water with. And I don't think that was even enough mm -hmm. as far as like just for peace of mind even. Even if it was cleaning out whatever's in there, mm -hmm. uh, the pure filter, I, I eventually uh, just switched over to bottled water. Mm -hmm. And I should probably what I what I was thinking about doing at the time was uh, keeping a log mm -hmm. of how often I was having to buy that water and then and then send an invoice to property management. But uh, every step of the way, I was met with resistance and, and hostilities, and uh, it was very discouraging. Uh, even as, just as even if I wasn't an activist or I couldn't speak up for myself, mm -hmm. that uh, to, to to deal with that and then kind of. Uh, deal with the, the, the conspiratorial aspect of it being just swept under the rug. Well, thank you very much for your uh, your story. Um, like I said, I, this is okay to interview you and follow up on the situation. 100%. This is Theo Henderson from Median House, and I thank you all for listening. Um, we're going to take some shots if it's okay with the water and things to show you just what, what the problem is. I can see I wouldn't drink it. <laughs> so I'm damn sure that no one else will drink it either. Thank you all for listening, and may we again meet in the light of understanding. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate showing this. That, yeah, thank that's you, sir. horrible. That, I mean, I'm so sorry you're going through that. Oh
Live it a boo. We have one night to live.